Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 24. We are presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The final score of Saturday's game was Michigan 59, Maryland 18. Uh, we're not going to talk about much more of that because uh, it's Ohio State week. Also, we got a little bit of basketball to talk about because um, uh, some things happened, and I guess we have to discuss them. Uh, but um, Michigan demolishes Maryland uh I don't know. Donovan Edwards has 150 receiving yards, 170 receiving yards on 10 catches and a touchdown, which uh, might circle back to that in a little bit. Uh, Kate McNamara throws for 259 yards. Uh, JJ McCarthy comes in and throws a touchdown pass on a ridiculous catch uh, by Mike Sain Ristel. And uh, Michigan does a, a throwback kickoff return that is extremely cool. And a lot of people complain about it because they don't understand how football works. Uh, sorry, I was on Twitter too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, all of us are here to talk about everything uh, and hopefully be in a good mood for this week because Michigan is 10 and one heading into the game. Ohio State also 10 and one. Uh, the Big East, the Big Ten East championship is on the line. And uh, that's a lot more than we can say usually in any given year. And so uh, as long as Michigan has a shot, this is, this is about as good as it gets. So might as well uh, roll with it. And uh, to roll with that mood, Dan, might as well uh, start with you. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess my, my big mood um, boiled down to one uh, uh, very funny meme um, is uh, that, you know, they have to be lucky every time and we only have to be lucky once. Um, and uh, don't, don't, don't Google the origin of that saying. <laughs> famous football um, quote from Vince Lombardi. Yeah, famous, <laughs> famous football quote. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, and I, I think I think that it's it's okay to you know sit back to um, to look at the season in its totality and to you know enjoy it without you know the specter of Ohio State um, you know looming over it. Uh, but but outside of that, right? I mean, I think that the, really the only thing that we can ask for at this point as Michigan fans um, is you know they're, they're probably never going to get. Look, if Michigan ever gets to this point of, of dominance that Ohio State has shown over the past, uh, you know, I guess almost almost 20 years at this point, or I guess, you know, 15, however you want to start counting, um, I'll, you know, I'll die a happy man. I, I don't think they will ever have a stretch like this that Ohio State has had. Um, but, you know, while Ohio State is dominant like this, and, you know, I don't think they'll be dominant like this forever, but while they are, um, the only thing that we can really do is uh, – be as good as we possibly can, you know, close that gap as much as possible and then put yourself in a position that, you know, it all comes down to one game. Like is, do I think that Michigan is a better team than Ohio state right now? Um, no, I don't think that anyone that's watched these teams uh, can possibly say that, you know, Ohio state's clearly, if not, you know, they're one of the two best teams in the country right now. They're obviously the best team in the big 10. Um, they're, they're obviously better than Michigan, but that doesn't mean, you know, I mean, like Michigan lost to a team that I think, you know, pretty comfortably I can say now uh, is not as good as Michigan. Um, better teams lose to worse teams all the time in college football. And, you know, it, now we've put ourselves in a situation where all that needs to happen is they have to, you know, finish a football game with more points than Ohio State. Um, and would I put money on it? You know, no. Uh, but I, I, I will talk about that later. Yeah, later, later segment. Later segment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's it. This is this is you know this is what you what you can ask for at this point. This is you know this is the 
this is the best that it gets. You know, I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. That's I, you know, they've put themselves in, in a position where if, if they can, you know, win this game, they they have a chance to, you know, play for a lot more. Um, and I think that, you know, you have to be able to appreciate that um, and not just like, you know, and then, and then, you know, even if they, even if they end up losing this game, uh, pretty much the worst thing that can happen to this team is, is playing in Pasadena, um, which would be awesome. I've never seen them play in a Rose Bowl. I mean, I, I guess, what did they do at last in 2004? I definitely did not watch that game. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty decent and I'm not going to let uh, the impending loss to Ohio State, you know, ruin my week, <laughs> preemptively at least. <laughs> so you're saying that you took the Rose Bowl pill. Oh yeah. I've, I'm fully, I guess my big mood is like being Rose bowl pilled. Um, yeah, but you, it's, it's going to be so cool. Like, look, we can all just kind of put out of our minds that the college football playoff exists and pretend that it's like, you know, 1995 again. And, and the, the Rose bowl is like all that matters. And that's, that's definitely what I'm going to do. I, I, I think we should all start tweeting Rose bowl soon come as Michigan falls behind by like 27 in the third <laughs> quarter. <laughs> Sorry. That's not my big mood. I promise. Uh, <laughs> Connor. Uh, you can, I think, uh, build on that one a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So something that, um, Michigan fans, including myself are really bad at a lot of the time, uh, is enjoying wins and enjoying, you know, having teams that win the vast majority of their games as this team has done. Um, and I think we need to take a step back here and look at the bigger picture as Dan just suggested and say, look, we're going to have a finite number of 10 and one Michigan teams that we get to watch in our lifetimes. Some of those teams will almost certainly, I mean, God, I hope so. And that beating Ohio state as well. <laughs> um, you know, but I also think that like at some point, you know, we will have a coach once again, a la Richard and Brady Hoke, who doesn't, you know, beat the stuffing out of the Maryland's of the world every single year, like clockwork, um, which is something Harbaugh has done. I really don't know that any coach active coach other than Ryan day and Nick Saban just pounds like clearly inferior opponents every year, the way Harbaugh does. It's quite impressive, right? We have to enjoy it. Um, we have to enjoy games like Maryland. Uh, and I think this team, you know, this is quite a good team. And if college football were in a somewhat, somewhat different era, we'd feel better about it. You know, we're just, we're some of the most like <laughs> excruciated victims of the current, you know, oligarchy of college football and that sucks but i do think this is a good week you know in the week of giving thanks and gratitude this is a good week to take a step back and try to enjoy what the season has been especially because this team is way better than anyone even me the optimist on this podcast and maybe the most optimistic michigan analyst out there <laughs> um believed they would be and that's really special and i also want to toss out one last important question here which is, and I, I want to just preface this, I'm just asking questions, folks. This is just, this is a thought exercise. Who knows what the answer is? But if Ohio State hadn't dominated the Big Ten over the last decade the way they have, would the January 6th insurrection have happened? I don't know. Just leaving that there. <laughs> just asking questions, folks. <laughs> I mean, it, it, things get wild when people get fat and happy, you know? So, uh, yeah, got to got to stay on your toes. Um, <laughs> I'll try to, uh, for one pivot and, uh, for another build on that. Um, my big mood of the week is Donovan Edwards. Uh, but it's also largely, um, just, uh, the promise that was showed in that game and how much kind of Michigan has given us everything that we've wanted so far this season, other than a Michigan state win. But, uh, it's hard to ask for a team to be perfect uh, throughout the year. Thing. That, uh, <laughs> that, that one little thing that's gonna I gotta say look destroy all, us inside for <laughs> uh, Ace, Ace, 
I'm going to let you finish, but I would have traded the Don of Edwards game for Michigan State win. That's just me. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I would have I would have been okay with a completely inexplicable loss to Maryland that ruined an undefeated season. Um, but, uh, I mean, Donovan Edwards, for one thing, might be very relevant this weekend because Blake Corum did not play. And while Michigan is, you know, was saying he was a game-time decision and has dressed him and is saying he could have gone, you know, I think uh, – Actions speak rather loudly there. And while Michigan didn't need him in this game, he's clearly not fully healthy. Um, and uh, that means we have no idea how healthy I, he is other than that he can uh, stand on the sideline in pads. So in a game where Michigan is going to need some significant playmakers, the, we saw Donovan Edwards emerge as a really dynamic receiving threat. And uh, I, w- I would love to see Michigan bust out that uh, – uh, Madden NCAA style ankle route <laughs> against Ohio State a few times, uh, make their linebackers cover Edwards in space uh, or Corb if Corb's back. But uh, that was that was nice to see him emerge. And then we also got stuff like a cool throwback touchdown to AJ Henning on a kickoff. Uh, Cade McNamara playing really well, uh, and JJ McCarthy also doing so. And uh, like. The defensive backs playing quite well against a passing attack that, while uh, definitely inconsistent and turnover prone, can put up some big numbers. And we got a uh, pretty nice pick six by DJ Turner and just a general rattling of uh, Talia Tonkavailoa. So there's some appreciation for that game and also uh, a fair amount of excitement for what it could mean for the next one because Michigan has really done all we could have ask them to do personnel wise to be ready for this game. And uh, that's more than you can say a lot of years. And hopefully one of these years will actually result in a victory. Um, And now to uh, do a quick basketball interlude, uh, Alex, uh, try not to unload too much on this team. No. um, Yeah. My mood for Ohio state uh, unfortunately is a deep and abiding sense of fatalism. So I won't uh, share that with any of you today, but um, my mood is feeling pretty disappointed in the start that the basketball team has had so far. I think uh, given the schedule three and two with one blowout loss is pretty much the worst um, anybody could have expected heading into the season. Um, I know I was pretty high on this Michigan team ace you were as well, but so far through five games, um, it's kind of been a mess at times. And I think, you know, there have been a couple of players in the rotation who haven't lived up to expectations. Um, One thing that's been kind of startling is how many mistakes Michigan has been making defensively. Uh, A lot of blown switches from the newcomers and Michigan's a team that likes to switch a lot. Uh, Devante Jones goes under screens. Uh, Caleb Houston doesn't close out well. Um, Team's actually kind of weak on the defensive glass was just a little bit of a surprise given their size. Um, and yeah, nobody on the team except uh, for Eli has been able to shoot so far. So Michigan clearly has a long way to go on both ends of the floor. Um, I think this team still has a really high ceiling and I'm not too worried about the long-term prognosis, but Houston in particular needs to um, needs to turn it around. And I think Devonte Jones will come, cut out some of, some of the mistakes as the season goes on, but it's been kind of an up and down start for him too. So yeah, um, I feel like we have to talk about it because Michigan is a basketball school, uh, the sport everybody cares the most about. So, um, yeah, just throwing it out there. They fell from fourth in the rankings to about 20th, which um, not super chill. Uh, and 
Yeah, I think that's a, a maybe more accurate assessment. We'll see how the team grows. There is a little bit of a grace period in December. Um, you know, even with a road game at Nebraska and a home game against Minnesota, you're not, you know, at risk of dropping an important non-conference game. Although you could have an embarrassing upset loss. Um, so hopefully they turn it around. But yeah, rough start so far. We did want to get this recording in, uh, you know, a night early so that there was more time to prepare for the uh, Tarleton State game on Wednesday night. Um, but yeah, no, that, I, that I, can't be a real school, by the way. I, <laughs> that's one I have never like I, I don't I don't mean to be like I have never heard the name of that school. The pre-holiday <laughs> games always bring out the schools that may or may not be uh, insurance scams. Uh, <laughs> I'm just hoping that Purdue Fort Wayne can't take any of Purdue's players on loan for a couple games uh, soccer style because we are playing them uh, towards the end of December. Uh, yeah, and uh, also, goodness gracious, Purdue. Um, they look really, really good. Uh, maybe they have looked not correct <laughs> in my preseason Big Ten championship pick. Uh, Dan, stop laughing. Hey, Dan, I, I, look, stop it. I've, I, look, I have, I've been forced to watch a lot of Purdue basketball. I will get my Purdue basketball takes out. Um, yeah, Trevion Williams coming off the bench is unfair, was all I was going to say. <laughs> For the man who has cut off more than one basketball segment, I am just appalled. Some of those yeah. pretty guys are almost as big as the drum. <laughs> <laughs> They're rolling a couple of drums out there this year, Connor. It's pretty scary. Um, oh, yeah, I think people expected Michigan to gel as well as Purdue did. And Michigan looks like a team with a lot of newcomers and a lot of new pieces. Um, yeah. And college basketball is a sport where teams tend to look a lot different in March than they do in November. So that's why I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, um, kind of a startling uh, start to the season. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, this is this is the first year that. Um, oh, by the way, I have I have serious concerns about this team, so I'm not poo pooing it at all. But it is worth noting that this is like the first year that Michigan has not just come. I mean, this is the first year in like four years that they haven't come completely roaring out the gate um, to like you know a, a pre to 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 pre you know uh, substantially beat preseason expectations. I mean, both years under Howard, um, they have really impressed early. Um, and then I think in 2018, they also, you know, won like 20 straight or whatever. So this it, this is like the first time I think that Michigan fans in a while have had to deal with like early non-conference losses. So we might be overreacting a little bit. We're losing the institutional memory of that one loss against Charlotte in that one tournament in 2014. Oh, that, <laughs> that was a rough one. one. Uh, yeah, that team was still great. But uh, yeah, um, they had also been to the national title game the previous year. Uh, yeah, and so, I don't think it was wrong to have high expectations for this team, but those no. expectations have been readjusted, and now it's more of a question of, like, okay, how can these talented pieces come together? Like, what kind of role does Musa Diabate play on this team? Like, that was never a question that was going to be answered in November. Um, yeah. He has a long way to go, really, as, you know, both a five and a four, but the flashes of potential are incredibly obvious for anybody who saw a highlight reel of that um, 3 a.m. UNLV game. So, you know, we'll see. I think one thing that's been kind of interesting is Eli Brooks really has stepped it up quite a bit. And I think he's been playing more of that um, top guard role that we maybe expected from Devonte Jones, who's been like, okay, but high variance. Um, Eli really has emerged into a good off ball player. And I think he will have to play off the ball to um, taunt shots, but yeah, uh, senior, super senior leap from him. Absolutely. Um 
Before we uh, dive into more preview of the game and uh, four hoop stuff, sorry, um, but you know necessary and hopefully uh, constructive. Um, we are brought to you as always by Homefield Apparel, and I don't even need to give you a promo code this week because Homefield uh, will be running their Black Friday deals starting November twenty sixth. Uh, that is Black Friday this Friday, and running through November twenty ninth. That is Cyber Monday. All items will be 20% off for the duration of the sale. You don't need to enter a code. It's just going to be discounted for you. Uh, all items are subject to selling out. Uh, so Homefield and also I recommend that you uh, order things as early as possible so that they can get it shipped to you in time and also so that you get what you want, like, say, uh, a sad dog on a sticker, um, which is available. I have two of them. One is on the laptop I'm using and the other is on the preamp I'm using. Um, it's a mood it's, you know, it, 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 it kind of sets a, you know, the proper blogging mood. Uh, so yeah, these are fantastic gifts for any sports fan in your life. Uh, you can also get people gift cards and, uh, they are getting some items back in stock, uh, that people have been asking for, for quite a while, including the tri-blend, tri-blend gray crewnecks and the oatmeal hoodies, uh, Michigan's oatmeal hoodie. Um, I believe is among them. So uh, take a look in, uh, see if some of those things that you wanted to missed out on are maybe coming back around and go to homefieldapparel.com to do your uh, holiday shopping starting on Black Friday and running through Cyber Monday, everything 20% off. No promo code needed. So I don't need to give you one. All right, back to let's, let's get hoops out of the way. Cause we're, we're rolling on this. Um, so I do want to start, with a little bit of a like, let's throw this into context here, which is that Michigan was on their third game in really their fourth game in eight days. Uh, and the UNLV game tipped off at uh, after 1 a.m. Eastern time. And the Arizona game, and Arizona is a West Coast, Coast team, tipped off at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. So, I mean, I, I don't think that excuses the way Michigan played and how some of the issues that they've had are clearly not just like you're tired and your body clock is off. But I think it's important, especially when it's also a young team that has lost some really key uh, veteran pieces. Uh, Franz Wagner, obviously a major loss that dude is currently uh, tearing it up in the league. Um, And then also Isaiah Livers and Shondi Brown. I am a happy uh, Franz Wagner fantasy owner this year. The, the Orlando Magic are uh, the NBA's best team. Don't fact check. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, replacing Mike Smith with Devontae Jones may not be as smooth as we uh, anticipated. And, uh, no. uh, you know, Purdue is showing right now the value of uh, having a lot of veterans and not needing to replace much at all, especially this early in the season. Um, so, yeah, this has this has been a tougher early season stretch for Michigan than we anticipated. But there there are some uh, a couple extenuating circumstances here, and also uh, one thing that's important to remember about college basketball is there are very few things you can do in November and even December to um, take away really any goals ahead of you, uh, unless that goal was maybe a one seed, in which case uh, Michigan might have uh, let that one go at this point. It's not like those those are like 
incredibly bad losses. I think Seton Hall and Arizona, they both entered the top 25 based on the strength of their wins over Michigan. But I think those are both solidly NCAA tournament teams. Um, There just have been issues that have been uncharacteristic for this program, I think, to a pretty significant degree. Um, Defensive consistency, you hope that that's something that can get ironed out, you know, as these guys get more reps together, as their first instinct doesn't become to, you know, stay with their man, but to, to switch the screen. Like, I think you're going to see a more cohesive team on that side of the ball by the end of the season. Um, shooting, that is an issue I think that could persist. Yeah. If Houston lives up to his billing as a shooter, maybe that turns around. But so far, Michigan shooting under 30% um, on the season, despite Eli Brooks filling it up from outside. So that's a pretty huge red flag to me. Um, this could be a team that, you know, is – not as beautiful offensively as many Michigan teams have been um, and really does kind of play that attack the rim, crash the glass style that's with, with poor spacing, but overall still a really talented team. And I think the potential is, is there for them to turn it around. Yeah. I mean, I think there was an expectation that this team wouldn't necessarily be a offensive juggernaut in part because they would have some spacing issues. I mean, we, we knew that, Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate weren't going to uh, provide the most beautifully spaced offense when they were both sharing the court. Um, same with when Brandon Johns is out there. Uh, but I, I mean, shooting at this low a level is definitely uh, a huge concern. And I think we're, I mean, it's surprising how overwhelmed Caleb Houston has looked so far. Um, he is. Yep. Six for 26 from three so far this season. That's uh, 23%. Uh, seven for 16 on twos. That's only 44%. Turning the ball over on almost 22% of his possessions. Uh, he has made some really nice passes, but uh, he's also been the uh, sorest point in Michigan's defense. And uh, I mean, I think the thought was uh, given his size and athletic ability that he'd be better there. I mean, people weren't expecting him to be a one-for-one replacement for Isaiah Levers, but there was a hope that he'd be better than this. And uh, it's, uh, I I mean, with this team not being uh, an offensive juggernaut or anywhere close to it at this point, the hope was that the defense would keep things propped up and and they have not done that so far. Yeah. And Houston's going to have to play through his mistakes because there's not a lot of depth on the wing this year. Um, people kind of took for granted people, including me um, took for granted that it's like, okay, he has the physical tools to be a pretty decent defender. So he should be pretty decent, but just a long way to go um, coming from the high school game. And yeah, really on both ends of the floor, it's not that he's looked rough for a five-star, but he's, he's looked pretty rough period. So hopefully he turns it around. Um, Likewise, I think we kind of took for granted that it's like, okay, Devontae Jones is getting good reviews as a defender from um, the NBA pre-draft process he gambles a lot. He closes out recklessly a lot. He, his ball screen defense isn't where it needs to be in terms of um, getting over the screen and pressuring from behind. So that's, that's one thing where that, and it really hurts Michigan because if Michigan's allowing dribble penetration at will, like Hunter Dickinson <laughs> looks a lot worse defensively when his guards can't contain the ball. So that's, that's going to be something that's going to be fixed. And yeah, Michigan's been a elite defensive program for, several years now which feels um still very strange uh given how you know the first half of the beeline era went but it's you know 
expectations for the defense have to be adjusted downward quite a bit, even though Musa Diabate is on the team. Um, and he is, uh, I think his, you know, lack of bulk can get exploited a little bit at times, but holy cow, he, and he plays hard defensively. He makes the right reads. Like he is a real bright spot on that, that side of the floor. Yeah. I imagine his minutes are going to go up because he has also been pretty solid offensively, uh, free throws aside. Um, and also because Brandon Johns just continually has to start over every year, it seems like, and he's not showing any confidence in his outside shot. He's only one for eight on threes this year, and he's passed up a number of open looks. He's turning the ball over again. He hasn't finished particularly well, and uh, he just looks lost out there on offense, and it's it's really disappointing because it, it seemed like he had finally broken through uh, at the end of last season when he was uh, given a chance to really play consistent big minutes, but it, it's not for lack of opportunity here that, uh, you know, that he's struggling. It's, it's, he's getting the chances and he's not capitalizing right now. Yeah. I'll, I'll just give my quick, like, uh, you know, not actually and O's basketball guy take um, on this team three. I mean, two of the five starters are playing very badly um, right now. And I'm not saying they can't get better. Um, I'm not, I don't want to trash, you know, the kids, but like the reality is they're just really struggling, you know, Houston and, 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 uh, and John's are both really, really struggling. And then a third, you know, uh, Devonte Jones simply cannot stay on the floor basically entirely because he makes really, really bad decisions on, you know, when to gamble and when to foul. And so that's, you know, that's three of your starting five and, you're not, you're just not getting enough out of them. And, um, you know, I mean, I think there's reason to believe that Houston will uh, improve. I think John's unfortunately, you know, we've seen him play well, but at this point it's like, I, I don't know what more the coach, you know, the coaches can really do to, you know, get his confidence back up. Um, And, you know, I mean the rest of it, like, yeah, I think, I think Jones will eventually start, stop, you know, making those kind of decisions, but um, you know, as they are right now, and I'm not saying they can't get better as they are right now, this is just not really a, a very good team. Um, no, they're not. And yeah, uh, Devonte Jones has been in foul trouble quite a bit. Um, the one, the biggest thing holding back Musa Diabate besides just general like knowledge of the offense is, um, his propensity to commit fouls that are pretty unnecessary as well, which you expect that from a a freshman big that plays hard, but that's still pretty unfortunate. And yeah, I mean, with the three and the four struggling quite a bit, you got to think that that's an opportunity for Terrence Williams to step up. Did look good against Buffalo. He is a guy who we hope can be a pretty decent shooter um, and just a a solid all around player. So maybe he's going to be part of the answer, but um there's a role for Brandon Johns on this team, like with the personnel that's there, even if Diabate rises into starter minutes, like Johns is going to play quite a bit still. Um, Houston's going to have to play and yeah, hopefully uh, they get good reps against the um, Tarleton States, whatever they're called um, (laughs) in the the Purdue Fort Wayne's of the the world. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, UNC and San Diego state, those are some games coming up in the next couple of weeks that, you know, might be a good um, gauge for this team. Uh, 
both of those teams, I think it's fair, fair to say are a step below Arizona and Seton Hall. Um, but yeah, they have a long way to go before they're competing with Purdue, but not only Purdue, but Illinois, um, Ohio state. I mean, but then again, yeah, the big 10 has had kind of a rough start to the season. And I know we've kind of gone a little bit long on, on basketball, but, um, Illinois tough loss to Marquette without Coburn, uh, Maryland lost to George Mason or George Washington, Georges, um, and barely beat Hofstra. Ohio state, uh, needed a buzzer beater to be Akron in the season opener. So, um, it's not like we're alone. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got some recalibrated expectations. There are certain things that uh, seem like they could be fixed with relative ease, uh, or at least with, uh, the, you know, the slightly changed approach or some the coaching adjustments, some other things that uh, Michigan's just going to have to play better. Uh, very quickly before we move on, I just clicked on Tarleton State's ChemCon page. Nobody else do this because I want you all to guess who is in their second season as their head coach right now, because it is going to blow your minds. Dave bliss. Oh, damn. That was a, a grossly gross guess, but uh, no, 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 thank God. Basketball art Bryles. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hmm. Is, is it somebody with a big tech connection? No, this is somebody who has um, mostly stuck around the state of Texas. Billy Gillespie. It is Billy Gillespie. No way. That is awesome. <laughs> In his first Division One job since uh, 2012 with Texas Tech, uh, he led uh, Tarleton State, which is apparently located in Texas, uh, to a 10-10 record last season. And for those of you who do not know Billy Gillespie, he famously flamed out at Kentucky. I believe that was after they fired um, uh, Tubby Smith. Yes. Um yeah, it was uh, a a uh, a rough rough time for them, and uh, a hilarious guy to be going against in a game against uh, Tarleton State, um, which uh, I may be butchering because I've never heard of that school before in my life. Um, anyway, let's move on to the game. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, we have to dig into kind of the main thing here, and I think the main thing is can Michigan score enough to keep up with Ohio state's passing game. And for one thing that's going to involve, um, can Michigan slow down Ohio state's passing game? Ohio state comes in with a Heisman candidate quarterback and CJ Stroud, who has had some low moments this season, but mostly in the first half of the season. And, uh, then they have, uh, I, I mean, I would say Chris Olave is somewhat clearly their second or third best receiver. Um, and that dude he's, uh, turned he's, out being <laughs> after the first round. <laughs> he's def- no, 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 he's definitely their third. And I don't even mean that as a slight to him. Um, Garrett Jackson, Wilson's incredible. Garrett Wilson is incredible. He should probably win the Bolitnikov. If if he doesn't, it's only because these three are cannibalizing each other's stats. Um, which less than any five star receivers out there. Uh, don't go to Ohio State, you know, because you won't actually win any awards. You'll you'll just end up one of three, one of three absolute terminators out there. Um, or but, you could uh, transfer to Alabama and then become their best receiver. Yeah, yeah. Brutal. Um, <laughs> I love that their reject is Alabama's star. That is so. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, but yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba um, and. Uh, and Garrett Wilson are their one and two, and uh, Chris Olave is their third. Um, so you know, a- absolute brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, and uh, 
you know, they, they, I would say, I also want to say um, in regards to CJ Stroud, uh, a lot of people have kind of said that he's just sort of, you know, he's not crashed the Ferrari, you know, in, in certain terms, but uh, I do think, you know, he, he's in an ideal situation, but he is very good in his own right. Um, he's a very accurate passer. He makes the right decisions um, and he hits his receivers in stride. And, uh, you know, there, I mean, there's quarterbacks in, in the college football that don't do that. So I, I will say that he is, you know, d- don't worry, guys. The Ohio State's quarterback is actually good. <laughs> That's, I was, I was really concerned. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to not crash the Ferrari. Uh, to the tune of 10 yards an attempt with 36 touchdowns and five picks. That's uh, those are obscene numbers, no matter uh, who you're throwing to pretty much a perfect first half for him against Michigan state. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the big 10 that can't make those throws. I do think that he is a clear downgrade from Justin Fields, who was a truly elite quarterback. Um, And I do think that Stroud may I mean, I saw him get a little bit rattled on the road against Nebraska and granted they won that game and, you know, but it's a different experience on the road versus at home, especially when you're a freshman. Yeah. I mean, it, it's worth noting that Stroud is not really a running threat. So that, yeah. that is something that Michigan has, has had to face a lot in the past with Ohio state has not necessarily done the best job of dealing with that threat. So at least they will only have to focus on, you know, stopping Travion Henderson. Yeah. I think Michigan <laughs> has, or Stroud has a net of zero yards this year. Uh, if you factor in sack yards, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And I, I hate this though, right? Because he's a decent athlete, at least on paper. So I feel like us saying this guarantees he's going to pick up some like third and nines with his legs in this mm-hmm. game. And we're just going to be dying it. Cause that's like just how this game tends to go. Right. But I, I do think that the, the point to really underline here is that this is the best passing offense in the country and probably the best offense. I mean, it's, a, it's the best offense in the country, especially in the passing game. Let's put it that way. Um, I do think the receivers and the offensive line are kind of the first two components of that. And then the quarterback is just the third, also a very good component of it. Um, I, I do think that like, it's going to be a little bit easier to get inside Stroud's head with your pass rushing it, than it was with fields, but that's not saying a ton, but it is saying something. It is funny that we can be like, Oh, Ohio state has by far the best passing offense in the country. And that's very true. And it's like, well, and they also have, one of the most talented freshman running backs I've seen in a long time, a guy who's definitely on the JK Dobbins career track. Um, So they can run the ball. Obviously they're Ohio state. They have a great offensive line. They have a great running back. They can run the ball, but Ohio state fans like to complain that Ryan day abandons the run sometimes, even when it's working. So, you know, if Michigan can somehow generate some pressure on, on Stroud, and I think they can um, with Hutchinson and Ojabo, I think that, those two can be at the best player on the field, despite all of Ohio state's talented receivers. Um, if they can get pressure and Ohio state gets off schedule, I don't know that they're going to lean on the run like they should. Um, but that's a big if of course. Yeah. I mean, it, it should just be said that this is an elite offense all the way around. There's no, there is no like um, exhaust port for the death star here. Um, it's, this offensive line, you know, has, has, isn't really talked about a lot because the receivers and, 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 you know, it are so flashy and good. Um, but they are very good. Um, they struggled a little bit earlier in the season. They have really put things together. Um, they're, they're all, you know, all, uh, blue chip prospects and, uh, they, they play like it. Um, it's going to be the biggest test for Hutch and Ojabo. You know, they're, I think that Ojabo and Hutch are, are elite in their own right. Um, but it's going to be more of, 
you know, two elites going up against each other than it is um, Hutch just, you know, kind of clowning everyone like he has against pretty much every other team Michigan has played. Um, so, you know, it's it, this is going to be the type of offense that it, they are not – they're simply like put it out of your mind right now. They are not going to consistently stop this offense. Winning against this offense means like um, a turnover, maybe a turnover or two, maybe like two stops – um, maybe two field goals and then the rest are going to be touchdowns and they score like 33 points. Like that is like, I'm, I'm just saying it right now, the absolute best case scenario. If, if I could take Ohio state scoring 35 points in this game right now, I would like, I'd sign up immediately. It's, they are Absolutely. not going to hold them. They're not going to hold them to less than that. I mean, give or take like how many possessions are actually in this game, but like it's it's if they hold them under thirty five, I'd be I'd be thrilled. Yeah, how many digits yeah. do you want me to cut cut off to uh, guarantee that outcome? Because I'll do it. <laughs> I think like we'd be remiss. So like I yeah, Hutch and Ojabo. I think a lot of it comes down to them. Um, I hate that this is the case, but the way that the refs decide to call holding might be <laughs> a huge factor in this game. Because I I do kind of want to say like I don't think that anybody can really single block Aiden Hutchinson. Ojabo is not quite as good as Hutch, but like. Ohio State's still going to struggle with Hutchinson and both of these guys, and they're going to be in the backfield. But I think that, like, whether the refs decide to be tight about holding is going to be really interesting. I also think, shout out to Michigan secondary. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, PFF has them after 11 games as the number two created secondary in the country, which I don't think they actually are. But I think we have to say it. Like, they've been wildly improved from last year, way better than even I thought they would be as the optimist. Um I don't think, you know, I don't expect them to get embarrassingly smoked by Ohio State, but really, like, these receivers will get open against anybody given more than a couple seconds or, like, more than half a second. So, you know, it matters, but I think it really, the pass rush is going to be, like, the, 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 real, the real swing factor for our defense here, probably. Yeah, there's going to be guys running open. It's just a question of whether Stroud can hit them. And if he has a clean pocket, he's absolutely going to hit them. But if he doesn't, or if he gets sped up because there is a lot of pressure, um, chances are you could be misfire a little bit and that's that's really the hope um right for Michigan is that uh you know first of all that it isn't a game with a ton of drives I think if Michigan can sit on the ball a little bit when they're on offense and bleed some clock I think that advantages the underdog um but yeah you have to hope that Stroud makes mistakes he's a freshman quarterback playing in the biggest game of his career I think if we weren't so beaten down by the last, you know, however many years of the rivalry, we would feel a little bit better. But yeah, to me about, you know, an eight point line feels about right, given the fact that Ohio State is a really legit national title contender this year. Yeah, I mean, they're getting about a 75 percent chance via Vegas and. That seems fair. And, and in fact, I will take it like one out of four times beating this team. I will absolutely take those odds right now. I uh, I, I know not to stare a gift horse in the mouth, given uh, how long it's been since Michigan has uh, has won in this game. And then real quick, as far as the structure of the off, I'll just do my quick uh, my like little X's and O's segment here. Dan's X's and O's corner. Um <laughs> They really like to run a lot of uh, – they, they really do like to let the receivers do the work in this offense. Um, they have a lot of reliefs built into every of, uh, all of their run plays. So if, uh, if Stroud sees, like, just not, maybe not even numbers, but just enough space, he'll throw it out to, you know, the receiver on a, on a quick screen um, and let them make someone miss, which they do all the time. So, you know, 
look, a tackle after like 10 yards and a first down is a huge win, honestly, against this team. Uh, you know, anytime you can avoid like a 50 yard touchdown is a huge win. Um, they really are, are do a good job of uh, coaching their receivers to make yards after the catch. Um, so a lot of times, you know, they'll catch a hitch and then uh, they, they really coach the receivers to, you know, be able to avoid that first tackle and um, get yards after the catch. Um, it's, it's, they take a lot of deep shots uh, off of, you know, hard play action. They'll go under center. Um, they'll threaten a lot of jet sweeps uh, with their receivers, which is a pretty devastating package because you really have to overreact to the jet sweep when it's Garrett Wilson running it. Um, it, it can be absolutely devastating, if, which, you know, you can see if you watch the uh, Michigan State game from last week. Um, and then, you know, as far as running goes, uh, the, the one good news, you know, that they said is that the quarterback isn't heavily involved in the running game. Um, they, they like to run a lot of uh, outside zone from what I've seen so far. They're a zone based running scheme. Um, they but they really are like a pass to open up the run type team. Uh, you know, I think that this is the they're, t- they're the type of team, you know, they're not like a they don't have an extensive ground game built out. Um, you know, but they're the type of team that they're not going to let Michigan just sit, sit in too high, uh, all game without punishing that, you know, for being light in the box. So it's, um, like I said, all around elite offense, there are no weaknesses. <laughs> it's, I mean, it feels like a, a, an attack that's going to put, uh, a lot of strain and really test Daxton Hill and Aiden Hutchinson, the two players that Michigan tends to put on the wide side of the field. But the good news is you know, those are probably the two best players or the two most talented players on Michigan's defense, uh, David Ojabo possibly aside. Um, so, I mean, there is some reason to be optimistic if Ohio State is, you know, trying jet stuff and, and Dax is able to make a, you know, a tackle for loss or two, get them off schedule. Um, Michigan's secondary has tackled very well this year beyond Daxon Hill. Uh, so, that, I mean, there is some reason to believe that Michigan is actually built pretty well to at least uh, kind of match up with this Ohio state offense. And then I think um, the biggest concern is uh, how do you match up with them on the outside? Yeah. I also want to throw some unsolicited advice out there for Mike McDonald, which is we discovered in the Penn state game that it's legal to let Mike Morris annihilate a crossing receiver uh, you might want to try that a few times in this game because, you know, Ohio State's going to try a lot of crossing route bullshit, which they love to do and have destroyed Michigan with. I'm, I'm not saying that you should do anything dirty. I'm just saying it's legal to have Mike Morris hit those guys really hard. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, you know, as revenge for all crossing routes past, I wouldn't mind seeing that. <laughs> um, yeah, any other like personnel minded stuff before we, we headed to our weekly picks and then we can get our, our final thoughts on this game in there. I was going to say, I am a little curious um, what kind of schematic and personal changes Ohio state may have made on defense to go from pretty bad against Oregon to, you know, holding Michigan state to seven points is impressive regardless of what went down on the other side of the ball. So um, how did they figure it out? Um, yeah. So I, I was actually going to say we should at least mention the defense, <laughs> just, you know, to be fair. Um, but really, I, I am not going to pretend to uh, have watched a ton of uh, all 22 of Ohio State's defense. Um, from what I can best tell, they have more or less uh, just simple, really simplified things um, for especially their linebackers um, and just 
you know, uh, also giving the defense over to someone that can competently teach the scheme, I think. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I will say, like, as far as this defense goes, this is a, a perfectly good defense. Um, it is not as good as the talent level is. Um, they they are very, like, gettable. I expect Michigan to be able to move the ball on this uh, defense pretty well, um, you know, and and kind of have their, their normal level of success. Um, it's just going to be, you know, the, the, the offense is going to have to play, you know, their the, the best game of the year. Um, and so I, I don't actually, Ace, I don't know. I know we, I know you probably are doing a bonus pod later with someone that kn- knows more, but I really right. cannot tell you exactly what um, Ohio State has changed up schematically. I, I also want to throw out there something that like we have to celebrate, you know, uh, small victories over this program because we don't get the big ones usually. I find it objectively funny that Michigan's like one of our most heartbreaking recruiting losses of the Harbaugh era was former silent commit and Columbus native Zach Harrison was a five-star recruit who does start for Ohio state and is like, you know, solid. Um, I do find it funny and I'm going to laugh that he would not start for Michigan. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a little small modicum of justice in there. <laughs> we we got to take the victories where we can get them. And by the way, Dan, to answer your question, yes, I'm having uh, the athletics bill Landis on the subscriber only podcast later this week. So yeah, if you want a detailed breakdown of Ohio State, um, we are also running a subscription deal. So uh, thank you for uh, lobbing that one up for me, Dan. Um, and now, uh, no, let's not move into the pick segment yet because we still got to talk a little bit more about Ohio State's defense. Because um, the other thing, I mean, I think they're pretty gettable in the secondary, but for Michigan to get them in the secondary, they're going to have to run the ball a little bit. I think that's just how this Michigan offense functions. So. Uh, do we think that Michigan can either just get enough out of Hassan Haskins and either Donovan Edwards or Blake Corm and uh, get some push up front to the point where they're in third and manageable or hopefully avoiding third down entirely because uh, getting behind schedule, having to consistently convert third downs, um, that that's how I worry that Michigan will fall behind against an offense where, um, you know, field goals count as stops. Yeah, I think Michigan will be able to run the ball a little bit. Um, Oregon ran it all over them, and while it feels like a completely different team than it does now, um, that's the only really excellent rushing offense they've faced besides Michigan coming up here. So, I, you know, it might not be the best from like a yards per carry standpoint at the end of the game when you look at it, but I think Michigan can keep the proverbial success rate of staying on schedule up pretty decently. Um, to me, it's going to come down to whether they can cash uh, good drives into touchdowns um, because if Michigan kicks three, four field goals, it's going to be a tough task of keeping up with Ohio state's offense. Yeah. I think to, to reassure people that don't follow this as closely as we do. Um, the good news here is that I think Ohio state probably has at best the fourth best defense in the big 10. Their defense is clearly not as good as Penn State or Wisconsin, two teams that we've beaten. I don't think they're as good as Michigan. Um, I think our defense is better overall. They don't have, as we were saying, like superstar impact players that they usually have and that have cleaned up uh, defensive mistakes for them in the past. It's just a, you know, a solid defense. I feel pretty good about that matchup for Michigan. I think something that's going to be super crucial uh, as it's been all season is going to be red zone efficiency because we cannot be taking field goals against these guys. We've got to find a way to punch it. And that how we do that will be a huge factor in how this game goes. 
Want to guess how many rushing touchdowns Ohio State has allowed after their first two games when they switched to defensive coordinators? It's three. The answer uh, is three. <laughs> you're breaking. I can't, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. I would assume it's a, the answer is a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the, the strength of this defense uh, really is up front. But I, I will echo something that Connor said that I don't – there is no Chase Young on this defense, in my opinion. Um, I don't think that there is – I could totally be missing someone and I probably, you know, I'm going to get corrected on this, but I don't even necessarily think there is a first round draft pick on this defense. Definitely not in the secondary. um, Definitely not at linebacker level. Maybe one of their defensive tackles ends up being, but I don't think there's really, you know, that game record standout that they've traditionally had. Um, And I will say that, Michigan's offensive game plans in these in these games uh, have consistently been pretty excellent, um, despite the fact that they always lose. Um, so I I think Michigan's going to have success on offense. Um, it's just a matter of like they're going to have to have an even better offense, right? And they're going to have to they're going to have to put up at least forty points on what is at least a decent defense. Um, so you know I think I think they'll I think they'll be able to run the ball for at least you know f- like four and a half yards a clip. Um, and then I think the big, the big question is, you know, is, is Kincaid, you know, Kincaid, uh, can Cade convert enough third and longs and can they, you know, punch it in for touchdowns when they're in the red zone? I will say this for Cade. I, I think I'm more confident in him executing the game plan than any other quarterback I've seen under Harbaugh. So if he draws up a 2017 style, you know, brilliant offensive game plan, perfectly designed to exploit Ohio state. Um, I feel more, I don't know. I feel better that that Cade is there versus say, yeah, yeah. Even JJ McCarthy, he's a talented guy, but you can't afford uh, critical mistakes in this game. Yeah. I imagine they will use JJ McCarthy in some form or fashion because there's no way they did all this stuff this whole season to not. Uh, but I imagine that will be um, some very, situationally specific uh, stuff that hopefully does not put him in a position to make a uh, backbreaking turnover uh, because that's, that's a way that Michigan could have this game really get away from them. And they're probably going to need Ohio state to commit one or two um, to be able to feel comfortable in this game. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to our weekly picks. Uh, you might uh, have a sense of where we're going with a certain game this weekend. Uh, but before we get to that, um, our picks are brought to you by PointsBet. Uh, download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 matched in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo, promo code BUCKETPROB. That's Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. If you or someone you know has a gambling pro- problem and wants help, Call 1-800-GAMBLER, G-A-M-B-L-E-R. Last week's picks were good for all of us. I think this might be the first week that we all had winning records. I have not scrolled back and checked, but um, Connor and I both finished 5-1 and to take the week uh, over Dan, who uh, picked an extra game and uh, did not win uh, at 5-2. and Uh, Alex went 4-3, and and the season-long standings are crunched together, and... um, we don't. We haven't picked the same number of games, so I'm, I'm going to ignore them for the moment until we get to the very end. Um, we do have lines now for all seven games. We are not going to pick uh, Iowa at Nebraska because that line popped back up uh, since we started recording. 
because Adrian Martinez was ruled out of the game uh, right around the time that I was putting together the show notes. So that line was briefly pulled when Nebraska had been favored by three and a half points, which by the way, uh, amazing that Iowa is still an underdog against uh, Nebraska at this point. What an incredible season for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, but Iowa had been favored by, or Nebraska had been favored by three and a half. They are now one and a half point underdogs because the quarterback has gone from Adrian Martinez to not. Um, that is a terrifying stay away game for me just on first glance. Uh, but uh, we're not going to pick that one. So we will move on to uh, uh, the fir- the other noon game. I think there's only one other Big Ten noon game this week. Uh, Maryland minus one and a half at Rutgers. Uh, total of 53 in this one. This is for bowl eligibility i believe for one of these programs which uh just just amazing stuff happening all around in the big 10 this week uh i've got the terps because i i i think they have the best unit of uh any of the four um their offense is capable of doing things that i don't think Rutgers is is and uh neither of these teams play particularly good ball and any other sort of unit so um yeah i'm picking maryland uh, I think everybody else has the same pick. Uh, Connor, you have a uh, particular reason for it that I share. Yeah. So Ace and I went five and one last week, which is a great performance by any measure. Um, you know, much better than Dan, which is what matters. And uh, the, the one problem here was we both picked Rutgers, which like is deeply shameful. Uh, Rutgers failed to score a point against Penn State. And I am not getting burned by picking Rutgers again. God damn it. Probably never again. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this for Rutgers uh, versus Maryland. It's not the most sicko game of the week in the Big Ten, but it is the most wretched, unholy matchup in the Big Ten this week. Um, Maryland, you really got to ask yourself, like, was chasing the money and playing these kind of football games worth it to leave all of your rivals and your tradition in the ACC? Was it worth it? Uh, yeah, um, you say it's by far uh, it's far from the sickos matchup of the week, and you are correct. It has the second highest total of any Big Ten game this week. <laughs> uh, disgusting. Uh, absolutely, absolutely disgusting. The bottom of this league. Um, yeah. Uh, Alex and Dan both picked Maryland. We, we don't need to dwell on this game anymore. Um, I don't know how long we're going to dwell on this one. Indiana is uh, 15 point underdogs at Purdue. Uh, total for this one, 50 and a half, uh, this season has gone just as horribly for Indiana as humanly possible. Um, Dan, I want you to make your pick first before you can change it. (laughs) Um, I'm picking Indiana here, uh, to cover, not to win. They're not going to win. Um, Purdue's really hitting their stride. Um, Purdue is a good football team, uh, you know, but, uh, I think, I think Tom Allen just feels like the kind of guy that like takes these rivalry games and like can really, you know, he has like that, um, the ability in NCAA 14 where you can get your team hyped up for like one game a year or whatever. And it feels like he's going to be able to do that and like only lose by 10. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a reason why, because Indiana is horrendous. Um, but I feel like 15 points, like, you know, Purdue's defense isn't that good. I don't know. They, they could cover that. So I'm, I'm going with Indiana. All right. Uh, Connor, I like your take on this one. Yeah, so the problem with this game for Indiana is this game is at Purdue, and this edition of Indiana has a lot of transfers from all around the country who are completely unprepared for the size of that drum. (laughs) They're going to see the big drum, and it's just going to terrify them, and they won't know what to do, and Purdue will win by 30. 
It's a very big drum. It's it's a very very large drum. Uh, I've got Purdue. Dan is sleeping on the couch this week. Uh, Alex also got Purdue. Yep. Um, I've been fading Indiana for a little bit now, and it's been working out great for me. So I'm just going to keep it rolling. Yep. Fading Indiana has been lucrative recently. And uh, actually betting on Purdue has been um, somewhat lucrative recently, which is rather alarming. Uh, This is a game that might have been a marquee matchup uh, a few weeks ago. Is not anymore. Uh, Penn State, one point underdogs at Michigan State. Total for this one, 51 and a half. Um, This burned me last week, but I'm sticking with it again. Um, I am picking Michigan State because I'm just worried that Sean Clifford is going to fall apart at the seams at any moment. Uh, Alex, uh, is that also why you share that opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan State has, um, you know, enough pride to bounce back from that loss to Ohio State, which was about as bad of a beatdown as I have seen in a long time. Um, So yeah, I think Michigan State is going to bounce back. I don't think Clifford is healthy. And Penn State's offense is pretty bad. Um, some teams can take care advantage of Michigan State's defense, but I don't know if Penn State's one of them. Dan, you uh, you have done your traditional uh, mid-show flip. Yeah, um, I think Penn State wins this game. Uh, I, I I know that Sean Clifford might be hurt, um, but I really do feel like that was a. Can we talk about um, how bad Michigan State got stomped out last week? I mean, they were down, <laughs> they were down forty nine nothing at half, and I was um, being very mean online, uh, and people were like, "Oh, how dare you!" You know, they lost to Michigan State. I'm like, "You, do, I don't care what the circumstance is. Like, you can't go down into half forty nine nothing at literally at half, <laughs> and that's with Ohio State kneeling the ball out at the end." Um, that was a brutal game. Uh, and I feel like it was very demoralizing and, um, uh, they, I think that, uh, I think Kenneth Walker may be hurt and also Jaden Reed is definitely hurt. Um, this Penn state defense is still pretty good. Um, they showed some pretty good life last week, beating the crap out of Rutgers. Um, and there's uh, this, this Michigan state secondary was already very bad and now it's banged up and bad. Um, and as a result, I think that, I don't know. I think just throwing the ball to Jahan Dotson is going to be enough offense to win this game. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going with Penn State here. I'm if there's a money line, I'll take the money line because I know they're like one point uh, dogs. But I don't think there's any situation um, where I, I guess I could get a push. But no, screw it. I, I'm I'm leaving the points outside. I'm I'm going with the money line. Yeah, the money the money line is interestingly enough set currently at uh, both teams at minus one ten, which is what you get for a pick 'em. So uh, that line might be moving towards Penn State soon. Um, another uh, fun gambling related fact from that uh, Michigan State Ohio State game, um, which is uh, Michigan State tra- trailed forty nine nothing at the half, and uh, the under hit in the game, like for the whole game, uh, which is just beautiful. <laughs> That's amazing. And, uh, I might yeah, allow that. <laughs> Ohio so State, uh, <laughs> Ohio State. I think legitimately, we say this a lot. Ohio State could have scored a hundred points um, if they had left their starters in. It was there was nothing. Michigan State was not even coming close to stopping anything Ohio State did. Um, to the point that, like, I was scared for a little bit about. It was making me like more nervous about the game than I already was. Um, but like, I I just realized halfway through, I'm like, there's just. Michigan state is so outclassed here. I think that like, I think, I think I don't even think it's relevant for like other teams (laughs) against Ohio state. 
you know what's kind of funny is I actually had made plans to watch that game with uh, one of my best friends who went to state, and I I had some errands that I had to run, so I didn't get to see the first quarter. And I wound up going over at halftime, and uh, he was very defeated. Um, didn't give him too much shit because he was a pretty good sport when uh, you know that game between Michigan and Michigan State allegedly happened. Um, but yeah, that was a very sad, beaten down man. I mean. Understandably so after that game. Um, Good. Speaking of beaten down. <laughs> can, I, oh, can I do my pick real quick? Sorry, oh, sorry, I Connor. I, I didn't mean to skip you. No, I mean, you guys have said, made a lot of great points already. I just I just want to underline this. Um, you know, I'm picking Penn State as well because if I go down, I'll go down fading Sparty. And it's it may be cold comfort to Michigan fans because we did lose that game. But it is nice to see that Michigan State has lost to all of the, like, decent to good teams they've played other than us and they are a top 25 team they were never a top 10 team so at least we have that <laughs> we'll take it um all right i uh, butchered the segue but uh, now speaking of beaten down uh the hat game northwestern uh six and a half point underdogs plus 200 on the buddy line if you are so inclined uh at illinois um Total for this game, 43 and a half, which almost feels a little bit high. Um, God, what a hideous game. I am picking Northwestern because I just, I, I mean, they have been so bad, and yet I still have a hard time believing that they are uh, nearly a touchdown worse than the fighting Illini. I, I just, I can't quite get myself to do it. Uh, and I almost said this is a stay away, but uh, I, I think I will roll with the points on this one just because uh, generally with a low total like this, um, uh, taking the underdog, it tends to be a decent play. Um, Alex, you you have touched the total. So I, in our show notes, wrote last Big Ten sicko under of the year. And I actually, so this is the first year that I've been betting sports with real money. And I've kept my unit small, but you know, I've made my picks on the podcast wound up betting, you know, probably by the end of the season around 70 to 75 big time games, um, seven and four on unders so far this year, uh, beautiful game to end the season with uh, four and under. Um, I did only pick three overs on the season, but yeah, give me under 43 and a half for two of the worst three or four teams in the conference. I think, I, I think Alex has just cemented himself as the most Midwestern of us all. Um, Love the under baby yep. and nasally A's. Love those two. Connor, uh, who do you have for this one? Um, I feel like I'm kind of betraying the fighting Burts who have actually done me a lot of favors in this pick segment so far this year. I was really uh, expecting you to think, go with them again. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm tempted, but like, I just, you know, almost a full touchdown is just too much for the four and seven fighting Burts, I feel like. Um, Northwestern does consider this. I mean, having this as your rivalry game is like a special kind of sad, but uh, it is it is that rivalry game. Um, I think they'll they'll figure out a way to to keep this closer than that. So uh, I'm sorry, Fighting Birds. I'll be back next year. Uh, and Dan, uh, you're going to close this out with uh, at least for those of us who have decided to pick the spread, uh, a terrifying sweep. 
um i am uh no i think i, I I'm, I'm going with northwestern uh was did everyone else pick northwestern yes or was i just not that's listening? what i'm saying oh, we, we yeah, all pick northwestern too yeah so yeah i i uh i, I don't listen to you guys um i'm going with northwestern because uh if you follow any illinois fans on twitter you know that um and there's no other way you would know this by the way because no one else watches this game ever <laughs> but they always lose this game um no matter how bad northwestern is uh so yeah northwestern's going to cover um, and they, they, they've looked a little bit better than they were earlier in the season. Um, uh, that is not saying much, though. It's, this is the uh, Big Ten West version of Bedlam, where uh, you never know what's going to happen to be- in Bedlam. Uh, Oklahoma can win by a little. They can win by uh, a lot, or they can win by a medium amount. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know any other, I don't know any other uh, rivalries that are like that. So that's just uh, Bedlam and the Hat Game. Those are yeah, the two that, rivalries <laughs> that are like that. Only those two. Uh, yeah. Very, very specific rivalries. Um, hey, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, too. Yeah, uh, we'll get that's right true, into yeah. that. Let's let's do it um, because that's also being played this weekend. Wisconsin six and a half point favorites uh, at Minnesota, uh, which is uh, plus two hundred on the money line. If you are uh, trusting in PJ Fleck like that, uh, total for this one thirty nine points, and uh, that is actually where my pick is going to go because I I don't really love either side of the spread. I'm still not. Uh, totally trusting of Wisconsin, but Wisconsin has hit the over in four of their last five games. Um, and Minnesota has hit it in three of their last four. A lot of those uh, totals have been um, really, really horrifyingly low. Uh, this one is 39. So uh, that, that certainly qualifies. And I think uh, both these teams, uh, particularly Wisconsin, uh, are going to be able to put up some points and that's, I think going to be enough to hit uh, another one of these disgustingly low Big Ten West uh, over-unders here. Uh, uh, so, Ace, can I go first here? Um, yeah, I, have, I, I, I would like to talk about Big Ten West tiebreakers. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. there's, there's some very funny scenarios. So, um, there's basically – there's four things that can happen, right? Um, if, if Iowa and Wisconsin are both tied atop the division right now. Um, so, if Iowa wins and Wisconsin loses, Iowa wins the division straight up. That, that one's easy. Um, if Wisconsin and Iowa both win, Wisconsin wins the division because uh, they have the head-to-head win by Iowa. Um, and obviously, if, if Wisconsin wins and Iowa loses, Wisconsin wins straight up. You know, those are easy. Um, okay, this is where it gets really weird and interesting. So if Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue all lose, then Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota would finish top, tied for first um, in the West. Um, the tiebreaker would then go to um, wins amongst the tied teams all teams would be one-on-one against each other. It would then move down to, it would then move down to their division record. And because Wisconsin lost to Penn state and Michigan and not any of the other West teams, Wisconsin win the division. So the three-way tie Wisconsin wins. Um, So like right now you're saying, okay, Wisconsin's probably going to win the West. Here's where it gets really weird. Wisconsin wins a three-way tie. However, if Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue all win, that would, or sorry, Wisconsin and Iowa lose, my my bad, Wisconsin and Iowa lose, and Purdue wins, that would result in a four-way tie between Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. The tiebreaker would then go to um, the, the record amongst the tied teams. So Wisconsin and Minnesota would be both two and one, 
Um, Purdue and Iowa would be one and two. So it would go, it would then narrow itself down to Minnesota and Wisconsin. And Minnesota would win the West because they would have a head-to-head uh, tiebreaker against Wisconsin in, in this event that, you know, uh, Wisconsin loses to Minnesota. So it's like a, there's a whole <laughs> lot of weird stuff that was like Minnesota wins a four-way tie, but not a three-way tie. Um, and also just very funny that Minnesota is still alive in the Big Ten West race. Yes. Um, so that's you know, the most Big Ten West <laughs> thing. I, that scenario most Big Ten West shit I have ever heard. But this is also like, like- the most depraved thing that Dan has ever done was that exercise, <laughs> putting that together. You, I, I was, well, I was, I was looking, I'm like very well versed in, um, in big 10, uh, divisional tiebreakers now because I was like trying to figure out, um, I was trying to figure out like there was a pretty realistic shot that like Michigan, Michigan state and Ohio state, were all going to finish, um, you know, eight and one and, and all be one and one against each other. And in that event, it would have gone all the way down to, uh, the the record the the conference record of your uh divisional crossover games which would have been like i think ohio state would have won it but it would have been a hilarious uh uh tiebreaker oh my god there would have been riots oh yeah no literally because it would have come down to like the fact that that like minnesota had a slightly better record than like nebraska (laughs) it would have been awful (laughs) anyway uh that's 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 so i know all the tiebreakers now but yeah i thought that was funny um this is great information to have in your brain (laughs) all that said uh uh my, my pick is wisconsin um they're rolling uh and uh minnesota is just like all over the place but wisconsin feels like actually a very good team um they're at least rounding into form as one and uh i would i would pick them I don't know. I'd probably pick them like minus 10. So minus six and a half is easy for me. Uh, just to cap off the uh, Big Ten West uh, title discussion before we uh, let Connor and Alex make their picks. Um, uh, Minnesota lost to Bowling Green and Illinois this season, and they are still in it. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Um, Alex, who you got in this one? Uh, Wisconsin owns this rivalry. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about Wisconsin. All right. Short but sweet. Connor? Yeah, so if there were any justice in the universe, which as Michigan fans, we know there is not. But if there were, uh, Nebraska and Minnesota would basically switch records because this Minnesota team, I I hate this program and they're deeply annoying (laughs) and I don't know why they have a winning record. Uh, They lost to Bowling Green at home, in case you haven't heard. Um, Nebraska also annoying, but like they, you know, to me, they they deserve to be a bowl game based on how they played this year. And Minnesota doesn't. I, so I think Wisconsin is going to just annihilate these guys, uh, partly because I don't think that like Minnesota's run first quarterback can only kind of execute one play. Offense is going to work against uh, probably the second best defense in the country. So hopefully Wisconsin puts the Golden Gophers thing out of its misery once and for all. Yeah, I, I, I hear your Minnesota point, but. Uh, Nebraska decided to build the whole team out of Herm Edwards, like you play to win the game speech. And <laughs> that That's just a horrible way to go through a football season. Uh, all right. We've come down to it. Uh, Ohio state eight point favorites at Michigan, which has a uh, plus two forty money line uh, over under of 64, easily the highest total uh, in the big 10 this week. Um, and I have uh, taken the coward's way out of picking this game because I looked at that total and I like the over because I think uh, I think Michigan's going to have a tough time stopping Ohio State. And I also think that Michigan is going to just 
absolutely empty the playbook in a way that will hopefully be more productive than any other year and um, at least put up enough points where, you know, when Ohio State uh, inevitably hits 40, uh, that Michigan, I mean, getting on the board four times is is enough to push this over in a game that uh, I, I think is going to feature um, some explosive plays, hopefully on both sides. Uh, Alex, who you got? Uh, Ohio State, um, as we all know, owns this rivalry, so I'm going with Ohio State. Again, short but sweet and uh, logical. Uh, Dan, uh, once again, with the with the uh, the mid pod picked switch. Yeah. So um, if I was forced to pick the spread in this game, I'd 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 probably uh, unfortunately pick Ohio State um, because I think that um, they uh, I think that the the metrics that Vegas uses on this stuff don't really account for like you know truly elite offenses or elite units on either side of the ball. And I think that's what Ohio State's offense is. But I'm not going to do that because it feels bad and I don't like thinking about it. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to bet the over, um, which I actually think – I actually think the over is a good bet here. I mean, 64 points. I think Ohio State's going to get to 40 pretty easily. And I think Michigan can hit 30. Um, I could see Michigan losing this game like 41 to 30. Um, and you know what? That would be nice for me. I would I would feel okay about that. Oh, man. <laughs> We're in a great place, folks. Um, yeah, but no, no, no. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the over. Um, look, Michigan's got as much of a fighting chance as anyone that's played Ohio State this year. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier in the show, you know, they, we only have to be lucky once. They have to be lucky every time. Um, so, you know, go blue. Absolutely. <laughs> Connor, uh, I saved you for last for a reason. Well, look, I'm tempted. I, I appreciate Dan's sort of polite uh, go blue there at the end. I'm tempted to sing the entire fight song just because – uh, I am picking Michigan because, look, I realize that most likely, if I'm being sober as possible, Michigan's probably going to lose this game. Um, you know, an eight-point cushion but makes me actually feel like... cover. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't want to see that, point cushion man. Is not, yeah, I mean, an eight-point cushion is not like... That's, you know, that's enough to make me actually feel like... I think that Michigan's chances of being within eight points in this game are actually pretty decent. Obviously, in many ways, a close loss would hurt worse than getting annihilated. Both would suck, though, right? Like, there's no... The middle ground that Dan named, like, lose by 10 points would all... I mean, again, these would all suck. Uh, that might even be the less, least painful. But, like, I, I diverge from my true point, which is I'm picking Michigan... Um, I picked Michigan all year. It's worked out great for me, including in gambling, because Michigan's done great against the spread. Um, really, really great, actually. And, you know, uh, as Matt Damon reminds us, fortune favors the bold. Um, <laughs> and I, again, as an analyst, I'm forced to say that Michigan will probably lose. In my heart, I actually feel like Michigan has a better shot going into this game. And kind of as an analyst, I think they have a better shot going into this game um, than they have since 2016. Just because this is the first time, like 2018, we thought this was all that we all thought this was the case, but like we were all wrong. This is the first time where, <laughs> like, wrong. I know, yeah, brutally, brutally wrong. That's horrible. But um, I know that Michigan has focused on this game in a way that they should have been doing for the last several years and kind of weren't. Um, I know that they've actually built a defense with Ohio State in mind. I know that they've added stuff on offense all year and actually run it effectively and that they have more stuff in the tank. Uh, most certainly to try out in this game. They have more weapons on offense than they've had, whew, God, since probably since Lloyd Carr, honestly. Um, and they have two defensive players who could be the best guys in the field on Saturday. So they've got a fighting chance. And I feel pretty good about picking Michigan. And if I go down, at least I went down saying, beat Ohio, go blue. 
that plus two forty money line if you want to emotionally hedge. It's it's sitting right there. Um, you know, just absolute just worst case scenario is Ohio State winning but blowing the cover. Yeah, you you, you, you don't you don't want to do it that way. You don't want to do baby, it. That way. It's baby steps, right? We gotta even out the gambling uh the, the gambling rivalry first <laughs> before we can actually win one of these games. We gotta look great teams cover. Um and uh, even if that means losing <laughs> Yeah, is Ohio State a truly great team if they beat Michigan by seven? I don't. I don't think that would. Could, not, could, not if Michigan taunts and covers. No, could, the, the, could that's Michigan, what great teams are all about. Could Michigan covering knock Ohio State out of the playoff conversation? People are talking. <laughs> um, no, I look. I, I, but I don't. Don't let any of this like sober analysis distract. You know, I want nothing more in the entire world uh, than than Michigan to win this game. I I don't want it to be like. I'm obviously going to be an emotional wreck all week, um, even though I've tried to distance myself a little bit. Um, so don't don't let any of this like, you know, Tuesday or Monday sober talk, um, you know, uh, don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm going to be a wreck and I I'm going to start yelling online um, win or lose. Yeah. I, I feel like we might have to call this episode beat Ohio. Like, is there any other choice here? Really? No, doesn't seem like it. Um, especially since like, yeah, when I was writing, uh, this morning, I, you know, ostensibly, you know, was touching on the Maryland game at least. And I, I came very close to just forgetting to include the Mike St. Ristol catch like at all, <laughs> because like my brain moved on from that game so quickly. Like it's like pretty much as soon as Michigan scored in, against Maryland, it was like, all right, it's over beat Ohio. And like, it, it just, um, uh, you yeah, like like Dan said, there are going to be a lot of nerves later this week. Uh, we have provided our uh, attempt at sober analysis here, but uh, there is no question Michigan has a puncher's chance in this one, and um, I will. I think we'll all take a puncher's chance at this point, and um, that that's good enough reason to enjoy the emotions of the uh, of the week leading up to the game as much as we possibly can. Uh, so uh, on that note, I hope everybody has a, uh, a wonderful Thanksgiving, a good week. Um, please uh, follow The Bucket Problem on Twitter or at Bucket Problem. Uh, go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast. You will currently get a 20.11% uh, discount. That number, of course, randomly selected uh, for this week um, all the way through the end of the month uh, for both an annual and a monthly subscription. Uh, and that uh, bonus podcast this week will feature uh, the Athletics Ohio State beat writer, Bill Landis. Uh, so we'll get even more insight on the game before the end of the week. Uh, rate us, review us, um, subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So the podcast download, it really helps uh, support us. Um, do your Black Friday shopping at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code BucketProb on PointsBet. And most importantly, beat Ohio.